people are experiencing transformations and we would love to hear our testimonies. Uh, we believe very strongly that God has a plan for this service. We, we, he knew you were coming. Uh, you, you didn't take God by surprise by deciding to come for this morning service. He knew you would be sitting where you are sitting. Um, he knew you would be wearing what you are wearing. He, he knew you would be sitting beside who you would be sitting beside. The Bible says he's the one with whom we have to do before whom all things are made manifest. So there's really nothing hidden before God. I'd like us to smile. I'd like us to be, uh, be free in God's presence. The Bible says in the presence of God there is liberty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I have the privilege to share God's word with us this first service um, today. Um, we've discussed over the last um, couple of weeks um, about the word of God. And for one, I've been affected. I've, I've, um, I've been inspired to study God's word a bit more. And it's been a very um, useful experience for me. And I hope, you know, it is the same for us too. Um, as we talk about this thing, I'd like us to more than just hear a good message. I'd like us to apply ourselves to them. Okay? Um, we, we've, we've, uh, just to do a bit of a recap, um, in case, for example, you've not been in church for, for the last couple of weeks. We've spoken about the fact that God's word has power, has integrity, and is extremely important. Okay? Um, when you read Hebrews, I think it's the chapter 4, it speaks about the fact that says God's word is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, a divine asunder of soul and spirit. So we've, you know, come at it from different angles. We spoke about the fact that God's word has integrity. That is exalted above every other thing on the earth. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. And that word was God. John chapter 1. It says, and there was nothing that was created except that which was created through the word. And later down it says, that word became flesh. Speaking about Jesus. And I would be held his glory as that of the only begotten of the father full of grace and of truth. We've spoken about the fact, Hebrews, I think, in the early chapters of Hebrews, speaks about the fact that God upholds all things by the power of his word. You must not get to the point where your relationship with the word of God is casual. All right? And that is our encouragement in this season. We've, uh, we've, we've, we've encouraged us to search for the word. So when Apostle Paul leaves the church in Ephesus, Acts chapter 20, I think, he says to them, he says, I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. The word of God is extremely important. I'd like you to help me ask your neighbor, how is your relationship with the word? When I say ask, get get an answer from them. Let them tell you something (laughs) this morning. They won't lie in God's presence. So help me ask them, how's your relationship? Pastor said I should ask you, how's your relationship with the word? How's your word level? Let's use the way we use it. How's your your word level? Pastor Devo, praise God. So this morning, I will be speaking, um, we'll be encouraging us all through the services this morning about standing on God's word. Okay, I'd like us to read First Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, and then we'll also read Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 from verse 25 to 33. So First Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed to, as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So we have the prophetic word. Praise God. Am I reading the right scripture? I doubt it. So maybe Second Peter chapter 1. I just have, the, I have it copied on my... Okay, I'll come back to that. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25. If you help me find it, okay? Just to test whether you've been reading your own Bible. Too. <laughs> so I want... So we have the prophetic word confirmed to us, okay? Which you do well to heed to. As a light that shines bright. But I'd like us in the interim to read 
Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. This is the experience of Peter walking on water. Some story, a story that we know very well. It says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. So I'd like to start by saying, look, everyone is standing on something. Every single one of us is standing on something. And um, it's not all firm ground. Everyone is standing on something. You, it's more than just um, the, the ground that you walk on. All our lives are built upon something. So when we look at this story that we've just read in Matthew chapter, chapter 14, um, we see a, Apostle Peter responding to God. And I like to say to people that, look, Peter did not just walk on water. Uh, Peter was, I mean, it was a miracle. And if you don't believe that it was a miracle, Lagos is surrounded by lots of water. Early tomorrow morning, you can just test it. One leg first. <laughs> it was a miracle. So there was a storm. You know, there's a huge storm. Everybody's really worried. So put yourself in that boat with, with the rest of the disciples. You know, huge storm. You know, you can hear the thunder, lightning, everything is shaking up and down. They see Jesus, which is again worrying. Because, you know, you look on the other side and you see someone walking on the water. And then Peter, you know, desiring something beyond what he's experiencing and what the disciples are experiencing, says, Lord, if it is you, you know, bid me come. And he hears a word from God. And Peter responds to that word. And I like to say, Peter did not step out on water. Because it is difficult to walk on water. Peter walked on the word of God. Okay? He walked on the word of God. And, and the thing about receiving the word of God is that it bets for us. Um, 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 a force in our life. It bets for us faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So Peter heard the word. Peter received faith. And then Peter was able to walk on water. So we receive a force and an energy to live victorious Christian life. So it's really important today that we stress this, that you have to be standing on the word. You have to be standing on the word. We'll come to the rest of the story, you know, uh, later. You know, when we typically, when we teach this, we teach it from the perspective of he started, he walked on the word, and then later he began to sink. You know, but today, at least for this first part of the message, I just really want to emphasize the fact that he walked on the word. He walked on water. Let me ask your neighbor, what are you standing on? You know, what, what are you standing on? I, 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 you know, and people are standing on different things. I, I know uh, Pete was saying, you know, to me in an email during the week, people are standing on different things. You know, people are standing, and when you read Philippians chapter 3, Apostle Paul begins to give essentially what I call his CV. He speaks about where he's from. He speaks about his education. He speaks about his qualifications. He speaks about his family name. And, and people are standing on different things. And it's important this morning that we stress the fact that we have to keep on standing on God's word. Why is it important for us to even bring that charge to the church this morning? Why is it important to us to encourage people to stand on God's word? A couple of reasons I'll just mention very quickly, you know, so to lay some background. You know, number one, if you were in church last week, pastor spoke about four different types of, of, uh, of ground, right? 
Praise God. Church, talk to me. He spoke about four different types of ground, right? What, what were the four different types of, of ground? Very quickly. Way, wayside, yeah? Express Road is not one of them, no? What? <laughs> come on, come on, church. It's just last Sunday. So, so Wayside, yes? Stony, yes? Sorry? The thorny path, yes? And good ground. And which, part, which type of soil are you? I can't hear you. What type of soil are we, church? Elevation church. What type of soil are we? Hallelujah. So, um, one of the ministries, and one thing that struck me from that passage that we read last week, you know, why should we encourage people to keep standing on the word of God? It's something that we read, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19. It's in that, it's, it's, it's in that parable. I'll read it to your hearing. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then what? The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. It says, this is he who received seed by the wayside. So I like to say that it is one of the modern day ministries of the devil to steal the word of God that is planted in the heart of the believer, the same word of God that we're supposed to be standing on. It is one of the things that the devil is very actively doing in the modern day. So that is one reason why. So so I like us to understand that there's a spiritual dimension to our interaction with the word of God. The word of God itself is spiritual. So John John chapter 6, Jesus says there, he says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. You know, so your interaction with the word of God is more than just a physical thing. So the devil is looking to steal the word of God from believers. That's number one reason why we have to come to church on a Sunday morning and encourage you to keep standing on the word. Because it says there that as soon as the word was planted, that the evil one comes to try and snatch it away. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Second reason, every generation... Okay, every generation. So, um, I like, you know, we like to talk about our generation. All right? Every generation. I don't know what generation you are in, but I think we are all in the same generation. But every generation has its own philosophies, has its own wisdom, has its own traditions, has its own norms. I like to say it has its own wisdom, has the way they do things. And it is important for a believer to understand that that wisdom, that tradition of your generation has a way of contesting with the word of God that you stand on. When you read Acts chapter 2, I think it's Acts chapter 2, Acts, Acts chapter 2 verse 40, as Apostle, Apostle Peter begins to speak to the church on the day of, speak that you know, beautiful message on the day of Pentecost, one of the things he says to them, he says, look, be saved from this perverse generation. Okay? So your generation's culture and traditions and philosophies do not necessarily line up with the word of God. And that is one of the reasons why we have to keep encouraging you to keep standing on the word. In fact, when you read James chapter 3, if you read from verse 15 to verse 17, um, the, the Apostle James begins to speak about the two types of wisdom. He speaks about the wisdom of this world. So you read uh, from verse 15. It says that wisdom is earthly. It says it is sensual. It says it is devilish. One translation says it is demonic. And, you know, we, we need to understand that. You know, and he comes down, I think, verse 17, and begins to explain that there is a wisdom that comes from above. And it says that wisdom is peaceable. That wisdom is not self-seeking. Okay? It says it is full of mercy. It is full of good fruits. It is pure. It says it is without partiality and without hypocrisy. And as we look around our world, we must recognize that there are those distinctions between the wisdom of our generation and the wisdom of God, which we are supposed to stand on. And that wisdom of this world continually contests with us. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, this is like maybe 14, 15, 16 years ago, I went to see 
um, an uncle of mine, I had seen a book in his house. It has something to do with power. Something to do with power. A very big book like this. Very nice. And, you know, I, I like reading books. So I came back to him and I said, oh, sir, I'd like to read that book that, that you're reading. And, you know, very, you know, he said something very profound. I never forgot. He said, look, come. I'm happy to give you this book. He says, but you must make me one promise. He says, you must read this book with your Bible. And I really didn't understand what he was talking about. So I said, oh, of course, yes, sir. So I took the book. It was my first year in a consulting firm. I took it to work the next day and I put it on my table. And the way people were excited, ah, my bosses came, ah, you are reading this book, you know. And um, it didn't take me long, right, for me to start going through the book to understand it was about, it was very craftily and nicely written uh, ways of getting ahead. It was the wisdom of this world distilled and packaged in a very nice manner. And we see it and we encounter it on a, on a daily basis. Um, there are loads of books like that. And as you interact with the wisdom of this world on a daily basis. We, as a church, have a responsibility to encourage you to keep standing on the word of God because these two things are not the same. They are not the same. They are not the same. Tell your neighbor they are not the same. They are not the same. And you need to have a, a, you need to have a very clear understanding that they are not, there's a, there are traditions. I, I, I was telling my friends that I know families Right? There's a way that the word, I know families where people do not get married. Okay? They do not allow you to get married except the woman is pregnant already. We, we know of that, right? Some people, you know of that. You've lived long enough. Most of us have lived. And the, the reason is it's very simple. They, don't, they, have a, they have a policy in the family. We, don't, we have to test the goods and make sure the goods are working before we, before we use them. But what happens is that it is directly contrary to the word of God. True or false? Church, talk to me. True or false? Exactly. So that's why we have to come and tell you, look, keep standing what on the word. It's one of the reasons why we have to come and encourage you, charge you as it were, before God to keep standing on the word. Because we recognize that our generation has traditions, has wisdoms, has norms, philosophies, ways of looking at the world. Just the way we drive in Lagos alone is reflective of the thinking of our generation. In fact, if somebody stops for you in Lagos, for you to go, you're initially suspicious. <laughs> Do they want to bash me? Are they armed robbers? Why have they stopped? You know? And the truth is that it is very different from how God expects us to operate. The third reason why you know, it's important this morning for us to charge us is because the word of God is not... Um, the word of God is eternal. And it delivers results over time. And what tends to happen is that after a while, people begin to lose confidence and the staying power on the word. So when you read First Peter um, uh, chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, you are not, it says you are born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible of the word of God which abides forever. Of the word of God which lives and abides forever. If you read um, verse 25, it says the grass withers and the flower fades away. It says but the word of God endures forever. So you cannot put a clock on the performance of the word of God. You can't say, look, this thing I'm standing on the word of God for. I've given God until December 31st, 2014. After that, I'm moving on to different options. Okay? Because the word of God performs regardless of time. You need to understand that God himself is eternal. And that time is not necessarily the opposite of eternity or being eternal. It is like a subset. So the Bible speaks about the fact that God existed before time. 
And God is the one who designed how time hits. He's the one who said, look, come, we put up the sun, we put up the moon so people understand days. So your, the movement or the passing of time does not negate the efficacy of the word of God. Help me tell your neighbor, please keep standing on the word. Look, I, church, I know this is early morning service, I, but I want us to encourage, I want people to live here charged this morning. So tell your neighbor, keep standing on the word. Hallelujah. So when you read Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, do not become sluggish. It says, but be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. So you, it, it, it reminds us that uh, the things that God has promised us come to pass over time. And so you must keep standing on the word. It's one of the reasons. So three reasons I've given already. The first reason is the fact that the devil seeks to steal the word from our heart. The second reason is the fact that our generation's wisdom and traditions are typically different from that which God has given us. The third reason is the fact that the word is eternal and needs time in our lives. Okay. The fourth reason and very important one is the reality of storms. As one again, Christians don't want something that we like to hear, but you know, it's a rainy season. It's raining regularly. And I like to say that storms are a fact of life. I know you don't want to hear that on a Sunday morning. Say, no, that's not what I want to hear. But storms are a fact of life. When you read Matthew chapter 7, when you know, Jesus explains about people's reaction to what they do with the word, he speaks about the differentiation between the wise man and the foolish man. We know that. Okay? He says the wise man is the one who hears the word and he does it. And the foolish man is the one who doesn't do it. One thing that strikes you, you read Matthew chapter 7, 24 and 25. One thing that strikes you is the fact that, what, that, the, that the floods and the storms rained and came upon the houses of both what? The wise and the unwise. Yeah? Yeah? So, so Christians will have storms. And I know when we come to church on Sunday morning, we come in our best attire, we come smiling. When we ask you, how is it? You, know, you say, oh, it is well. You put on your Christian, you speak the Christian language. But Christians will have storms. Let me ask you, but do you have any storms in your life? I mean, you're looking very nice and pretty and organized but do you have any storms in your life? And what happens when a storm comes is that the temptation to abandon your position on the word becomes very strong. Becomes really, really very strong. Okay? And one thing that the word of God is to us, when you read Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, you know, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, one thing the word of God is to us is an anchor for our souls. So what, you know, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews says in the verses preceding verse 19 is about how, you know, look, God has sworn by himself. He cannot lie. Look, he said the things that I've promised I will do and all that stuff. And then he says in verse 19, he says, now this hope we have as an anchor for our souls, both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil. I know a lot of us have never really gone out, you know, um, you've never been on the ship before, but at least you have seen it in pictures and movies. The anchor is... Um, I have a picture of an anchor anywhere on my slide. The anchor is that, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 you will see, you know, we all know what an anchor is, right? You see, you know the picture is like, uh, fantastic. That is an anchor that is bent, yes. And <laughs> your anchor holds the ship. So regardless of the strength of the storm, right? The anchor is what makes sure that that ship remains. Okay? Praise God. Praise God. So, so, it is important that when we say, look, keep standing on the word, you don't wave it aside. Because the storms of life, if you're, if you're perpetually living through a storm, then there's a problem. Okay? If your life is a storm from January to December, there is actually a bit of a problem. But what happens is that you would have a storm, you would have sunshine, 
you would have different seasons in life. And through the seasons when there is a storm or there seems to be a storm in your life, the word of God is supposed to provide you with an anchor. And this is more than just, an anchor is not, we're not talking about when they say, oh, how is everything? Just say, it is well, it is well. You know, that's what, you know, that's the Christian way of, of talking. No, this is the very first scripture I read, where the word of God is deep-seated within your heart and provides you with something that uh, it allows you to be unshaken and unmovable through the different circumstances of our life. So I don't know if anybody is going through a storm in their marriage. You know, your marriage is just, there's a, marriages have to go through storms. I'm married and, you know, every now and then there's a storm. There's, there's she, she won't let me watch football or something. There's a storm. <laughs> every now and then there's, 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 or she'll come and ask me after we've lost. Ah, did your team lose? That is a storm. <laughs> yeah, that is a storm. Um, there's a storm. People go through storms in their finances. When you're, you've tried to balance the book and there's all the, you have written your numbers, you know when you've gotten your salary, you've added up all the numbers. As you're adding and subtracting from the thing, before you reach the end of the subtraction, it's already negative. Or if you're on Excel, it's already red. That is a storm. Yeah? People go through storms in their health. Some people, it's in their emotions. And some people are battling with um, depression and sadness. Some people are battling with delays in getting a job. Whatever the storm is in your life, it is important that you remember that the word of God, it says we have this hope, which is a steadfast. It says it is tested and sure. You're not the first person to use this anchor. Let me tell you, anybody, you're not the first person. <laughs> you're not the first person. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, he begins to record you know, people who have applied faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. People who have stood on the word and gotten results. Let me tell your neighbor, you will get results. Tell them very boldly, you will get results. We have to keep standing on the word. So through this season where we're talking about oxygen, we're speaking about the fact that the word of God is our spiritual life, that we cannot do without it. You must understand that you have to build perseverance. You have to build a determination about the word. Three keys, three very short keys to Standing on the word. Three very short keys to standing on the word. Number one, we say, look, make up your mind. Make up your mind. I know a couple of times in scripture, I think there's a prophet who speaks to the people of Israel one time. He says, look, come. How long will you halt between two decisions, right? He says, look, you have to make up your mind. If God is God, let's settle it. Let's, let's serve him. He says, if it is Baal, then let's still make up your mind that you're going to serve. When you read Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 7, he says, because the Lord, the sovereign Lord helps me, he says, I will not be disgraced. He says, therefore, have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be put to shame. He says, for the Lord God will help me, this translation says, therefore, I will not be disgraced. I says, and therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. There is a way a Christian must position their heart as regards God's word. And it is, it, this scripture captures it for me. It says, I have set my face like a flint. You know, it is unmovable. I have made a decision. You know how when we, when we read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they literally say, look, come, no matter what is going to cost us, Right? We're we not changing our mind about this. I'd like you to ask your neighbor, please, have you, have you made up your mind? 
The Bible says, um, in, I think it's Ephesians chapter 4, it says that we will no longer be children or infants tossed to and fro by every wave. And it says, by um, blown here and there, by every wind and teaching and by every the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So you have to make up your mind. And typically, uh, speaking of you know, a friend of mine yesterday, typically you have to make up your mind in advance. Peter, there was something that Peter had already done before that boat experience. Because you and I know that in the middle of a shaking, right, your, your reaction tends to be, um, what is the word we use? It tends to be, not automatic, it tends to be um, unconscious. You're not really, it's not a logical, I was in a plane coming back, you know, from Abuja during the week. And, you know, went through a bit of turbulence. People were not thinking of what am I going to say. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's automatic. In the middle of the storm, it is a decision you have made in advance and the things you have stored within that come to the fore. So you have to make up your mind concerning the word of God. You have to make up your mind that you are unwavering. You have to make up your mind that you are going to stay the course of the word. I'd like us to read Romans chapter 4 and look at Abraham's life and look at how he made up his mind. Abraham's life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, speaking about Abraham, it says, Who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and be full, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to do. The Bible says in verse 21, that Abraham was fully convinced. And, you know, that's one question I have for you. Are you fully convinced about the ability of the word? Or do you have options? Because what happens when you have options is that you are unable to keep standing on the word. I read the scripture later in Hebrews where he says, you know, to keep holding on to the word because it has a, it has, there is a reward that comes from keeping, from you keeping to, from you, ah, it is relaxed. There's a reward that comes from you continuing to hold on to the word. Praise God. Praise God. So have you made up your mind concerning the word? All right. Have you made up your mind concerning the word? Second key um, this morning is to protect the word in your heart. To protect the word in your heart. One of the things, you know, the reasons we gave for uh, why we have to bring this charge to us is because I said the devil is looking to snatch the word out of our hearts. So I say protect the word in your heart. If you live in Lagos, and most of us do, you, you understand security. You Praise God. You understand what security is, right? I went to see Pastor TJ. Pastor TJ is not in service yet. I went to see him yesterday. But <laughs> it was, so what happens is that you have the estate gates, or the street gates, they, they lock, they put a security man, right? Then you then get to the person's house, then there's a gate, right? And they, not only is the gate locked, the gate is also, they have something they've put in there, then there's a padlock, then sometimes there's a chain, right? Then not only is that, then you then move in, <laughs> then there's a security door. Praise God. When your house is not a vault, it's not like you've put, you know, millions of pounds in it. But then you put a security door, which has, if you have like the type in my house, has like one lock up, one key down, right? 
then you then enter the house. And then in the house again, there are doors which you then bolt and lock. Why are you looking at me like it's strange? You all know that you have it in your houses. Eh? Now, I'm just telling you, just to understand what security is about. You then bolt it. Then some of us then have safes where we then lock in our room with a password or a code. And it's, it, is, it, is, it, is, it just gives you an idea the length to which we go to secure things. And that is the same length and even more that you must go to protect the word of God in your heart. Uh, you must understand, we've talked about the fact that uh, the devil seeks to steal. And one of the reasons, one of the ways he tries to steal the word from us is by counterfeits and deceptions. And you must be sensitive to counterfeits and deceptions. You must not allow people tell you what is not in the word as if it is in the word. Huh? You must not, you must, so you must know the word for yourself. The Bible speaks about the Berean Christians, that they were more noble than the others. It says because they went back to say the things that Paul has said to them to make sure that those things were true. So when we teach the word and we preach the word and someone says things to you, you must be able to go back and say, is this what the word of God really says? Praise God. Praise God. So you must deal ruthlessly with doubt and fear by building your faith. So, you know, um, how do you protect the word of God in your heart? How do you make sure you keep standing on the word? You must deal ruthlessly with doubt and fear by building your faith. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, For God has not given us what the spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. So faith comes by hearing. The way to deal with fear is not by um, being bold. You know what we call bold face. Whereas you're just, that's not how to deal with fear. The way to deal with fear is to replace it by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Okay? So one way we protect the word of God in our heart is to build our faith. All right? Praise God. One last thing about protecting the word of God in your heart. I like to say, look, come, you must keep your heart tender towards God. You must keep godly counsel and keep your heart in the midst of a place where it is encouraged. You must keep your heart in the midst of a place where it's encouraged. One of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews chapter 3, I think, and verse 13. It says, to encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of us will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You must keep your heart tender towards God. So that God can still reach it. So God can still encourage. And then the Bible says, to make sure that you receive encouragement. How often? How often? Daily. Praise God. See, when you watch all those movies and you see the the superstar, the the chap who who gets, you know, wears five guns on himself. He decides, oh, he's going to, he's going to, you know, take vengeance for what has been done to his family and all that. And he storms a whole city of a thousand people and shoots all of them down by himself, rolling and diving and all that. It is a film. It doesn't happen in Christendom like that. You need to keep yourself encouraged on a daily basis to make sure that your heart is still tender towards God. I, I wonder when the last time, I said to people looking, you must have, you have different types of friends, okay? But you must, each person must have at least one friend who constantly is able to speak into their lives concerning the word. Who is able to say, who you are able to call and say, share something with me. Who is able to encourage you concerning the word. You must have at least one. I didn't say you must have only one. But you must have at least one friend with whom you can share the word of God with. 
on a regular basis. I'd like you to help me ask, ask your neighbor, will you encourage me? Ask them properly, will you encourage me? Tell them I want to encourage you. He says, as long as it is called today, he says, make sure that we keep on encouraging ourselves. Why? So that we can keep standing on the word. The last thing I like to say is literally is to hold on to the word. Is to make a decision to hold on to the word. Last scripture uh, we'll read is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 36. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verse 39 says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them who believe unto the saving of the soul. So when we hold on to the word of God, we are really holding on to God himself. And that's our charge this morning, that regardless of the storms, regardless of the generations that you live in and the wisdoms that they bring forth, regardless of the attempts of the devil to steal the word from your heart, regardless of the passage of time, but Elevation Church, we must make up our mind that we are holding on to the word until it brings forth. Because holding on to the word essentially is holding on to God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Therefore take the full armor of God. It says that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. It says that having done all to stand, to stand therefore. So we will keep on teaching about the word. We're not yet done at all. We'll keep on teaching about the word. We will put as many materials as possible in our hands to make sure that you know, we are gathering word. We are building word. If, if, you have, if your study life has not changed in this season, please get a Bible. Get, get, you, must, you must study the word as if your life depends on it because indeed your life depends on it. Uh, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. And I'd like you to tell your neighbor, stand on the word. I'd like you to nudge them. I say, keep standing on the word. Hallelujah. I'd like to read to us in closing, the words of a hymn that I like very much. It's a hymn written by a gentleman called Edward Moat, and we all know it. It says, my hope is built on nothing less. I read it. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It says, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. It says, all other ground is sinking sand. It says, when darkness veils his, his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The third verse says, his oath, his covenant and blood support me in the overwhelming flood. When every earthly prop gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'd like us to rise. I'd like us to just talk to God this morning. 
On Christ the solid rock I stand All of the ground is sinking sand All of the ground is sinking sand My hope is beautiful Nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend. I'll holy lean on. 